title of today's message is from the book of Daniel. It is called Go Your Way. Not Go Your Own Way. That's a Fleetwood Mac song. <laughs> Go Your Way is a quote from the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel focuses on faithfulness. God's faithfulness to his people and our faithfulness to God in times of stress, pressure, and persecution. And the key verse we're going to get to today is the very last verse in Daniel chapter 12. It's the very last book, the very last verse in the entire book of Daniel. And, <coughs> excuse me, and in verse 13, you're going to see what God tells Daniel to do. And you're going to see what God promises to do for Daniel. All right, let me put a map up here. So Daniel, as a young man, was taken into Babylonian captivity. He grew up in Jerusalem. And to use modern-day terminology, in Jerusalem, whenever Daniel would turn on the TV, he would see faith-friendly faith, uh, programming. But uh, the Babylonian uh, empire is... Uh, unfriendly to faith. And uh, so Daniel and those like him who were taken away into Babylonian captivity, they've got a choice to make. Are they going to live like Babylonians or are they going to live like believers? And Daniel chose to live like a, like a believer. <coughs> and sometimes he was hassled for that, a la being thrown into the lion's den. Sometimes he was honored for that. You're going to be the same way because of your clear and bold Christian faith, sometimes you'll be honored because, listen, people with any common sense appreciate character. And your Christian character is going to shine like a light. But sometimes even the best of people get hassled. Jesus did, and he was perfect. And blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who are hassled even for their faith. Well, so this is Daniel, and now here, here we go in the book of Daniel, <coughs> chapter 12. He's now an older man. He's not a teenager anymore. He's now an older man. And God is going to show him what's on the horizon. He's going to show him what's in his future and what he can count on down the line. So here we go, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. <coughs> and at that time, so Daniel has been shown some, uh, some uh, visions by some heavenly uh, creatures who are showing him what's on, the, what's on the horizon. And so here we go, Daniel 12, verse 1. At that time, Michael the archangel who stands guard over your nation will arise. And then there will come a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. <coughs> so Daniel is given a statement saying, Daniel, you and righteous people, your people, are going to experience in the future <coughs> an incredible time of difficulty and oppression and hardship. However, rescue will come. And notice it says here, but at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Whose name is written in the book. 
You know, that little book is, you'll see it again in the New Testament, in uh, the book of Revelation, Revelation 21. And there it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. (coughs) And you want your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's like the guest list to the ultimate party. How do you get your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? You trust and you follow Jesus. And uh, it's interesting that, you know, here he talks about a, a book with your name in it. In the New Testament, we're told about that book. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. The Lamb is that term for Jesus that honors him as our sacrifice of atonement. And the key thing about getting your name in the book is that it's due to the righteousness of the author and not due to the ultimate goodness of you and me. Every day, my friend, every one of us at some point is going to stand before God. And when you stand there, you don't want to stand there based on your own merits. You want to stand there based on the Lamb of God and his merits and what he's done for us. Jesus died a particular kind of death for you and me as our sacrifice to bring us to God. And that's good news, my friends. And because of that, our names can be in the Lamb's book of life and on that fantastic guest list. Well, he says God's people are going to be rescued, verse 2. And now verse 2 in Daniel 12, you get get the best presentation, the most complete presentation of the resurrection in the Old Testament. Did I say that okay? Daniel 12 verse 2 gives you the most complete teaching about the resurrection that you'll find anywhere in the Old Testament. You'll find it elsewhere, but listen to what it says. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. (coughs) Those who are wise will shine as bright as the day, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars. God tells Daniel the dead will rise. And some will rise, notice the glorious terminology. They're going to rise to light and glory, and they're going to shine like the stars. And there are going to be others who will rise. Death is not the end. They will have a payment to pay. And uh, there is justice to be done, and they will rise to everlasting shame. And so he says, look, you can just know. Daniel, history has a climax. History has an end. And the end is not a cemetery. And the end is not a funeral home. And life climaxes and ends in the presence of God. All will stand before him. And how we relate to God in eternity, in either everlasting joy or everlasting disgrace, depends upon how we relate to him now. 
But you, Daniel, verse 4, you keep this prophecy a secret, seal up the book until the time of the end when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. Daniel hears some more. (coughs) And then, excuse me, and then in verse 8 he says, I heard what he said, but I did not understand what he meant. Hey, this is Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel. Daniel who's walked with God for years. Daniel who's been used by God to to teach and stand in, in mighty places. And Daniel says, hey, I heard it, but I didn't understand it. Some of you say that regularly on Sundays. Ronnie, I heard it, but I have no idea what you meant, you know. I heard it, I just don't understand it. Listen, my friends, you can be a person of faith and still have some mystery and uncertainty in your life. You can be a faithful, strong Christian and still have a little box like Mary did, who did what? Remember Mary, the mother of Jesus, certain things, and she said, she pondered those in her heart. You, sometimes you have to put, you've got questions, you've got uncertainty, and you put it over here. There are some prophecies you'll read in the Bible, like here in Daniel 12. You read those, and it's like, okay, I read it, I hear it, I don't understand it. <coughs> so many prophecies were not meant for you to figure out. They were given for you to recognize when it happens. And when it happens, it'll be very, very clear. So I heard what he said, but I didn't understand what he meant. So I said, well, how will all this finally end, my Lord? But he said, go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. And many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. And only those who are wise will know what it means. In other words, he says, throughout the world, there will be some people, they'll wake up and come to the Lord, and there will be others who will simply persist in their wickedness. And it's going to take the return of Jesus to set things right. And then he says, verse 11, from the time the daily sacrifice is stopped and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshipped, there will be 1,290 days. And blessed are those who wait and remain until the end of the 1,335 days. I'm glad I could clear all that up for you. Here's the point. God has set boundaries on the existence of evil. God has set a boundary on the existence of chaos. It has a time limit. It has a term limit. The point here is that, Daniel, you need to know there there will continue to be some difficult times, but God has set a hard stop on it. There's a hard stop. There's a boundary. And by the way, he gives a couple of numbers here. The second number is larger. And he says, and blessed are those who endure and persevere through the challenges 
persevere all the way to the end. Tough times are not forever. Let me say it again. Difficult times, even for the people of God, are not forever. There's a term limit. There's a boundary. There's a time limit. Now, Daniel still has some unanswered questions. (coughs) How long? But now you come to verse 13, and here's what it says. You ready? As for you, Daniel, go your way until the end. And when he says the end here, I think he's talking about his life. Daniel, go your way until the end. That's what God tells Daniel to do. And now he's going to tell, now he tells Daniel what he's going to do for him. And you will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. Here's what he says. Daniel, in the midst of much uncertainty, in the midst of chaos, Daniel, you would love for your people to return to Jerusalem. You've got dreams for that. Daniel, God has set some boundaries out there on chaos and wrong and and evil. What I need you to know, Daniel, is that God has a boundary, a hard stop, and a term limit. But here's what I need you to do. I need you to go your way. I need you to let God do his job, and I need you to do yours. I need you to let God be God, and I need you, Daniel, to go your way. I need you to keep plotting. I need you to know that your days are numbered. I need you to get back to work, get back to your desk, get back to your friends, get back to your prayers, get back to serving Cyrus the king, put your head down, be faithful and strong and clear and bold, whether you're living in Babylon or Persia or Jerusalem or Houston or Rosenberg or wherever. Plot along and run your race and fulfill the assignments you have. Go your way and trust all that big stuff out there to God. You know, 2024, we've got an election coming up and you can't control it. I'm not saying we shouldn't accept some responsibility, but we should never accept ultimate anxiety. Go your way. Let God do his, his work. <coughs> and Daniel, you see to yours. And you see what God told Daniel he would do? Back to verse 13. Put it on the screen, please. Notice what he says. 
you go your way until that you just keep being faithful, doing yours. And Daniel, you will, notice the three R's. You will rest, you will rise, and you will receive an inheritance. That's the same word that's used in the book of Joshua about 25 times, telling people, you got a place. You got a place in the promised land. Daniel, you be faithful to your role and just know at the end of your days, you may not go back to Jerusalem. You may die before some of your dreams come true. And by the way, I hope that's true for all of you. I hope you die before you're through living. I hope, you, I hope you've not stopped living and then you wait around to die. I hope you die before you're through. But here's what you can know. The end for you here is the best beginning ever. Because what you get when you breathe your last here, you do know how God delivers you from trouble, don't you? Sometimes he takes you around it. Sometimes he takes you right through it, and he supernaturally sustains you. You're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and sometimes he delivers you from it. And the day is coming. The promise is to Daniel. The promise is to you and me. The day is coming when God delivers us from the chaos, from the trouble, from the enemy. Jesus came to defeat our worst enemy, Satan and death, and to fix our ultimate problem, sin and guilt. And he delivers us from that. And so here's Daniel, go your way, do your thing, put your head down, be faithful, and you just know you're going to rest, not the rest of inactivity, the rest of no frustration. You're going to rise and you're going to shine like a star in the very presence of God. And you need to know that every child of God, redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, you're going to shine in glory with the living God. Your best days are yet to come. You're going to rest, you're going to rise, and you're going to receive your reward. C.S. Lewis, he said it like this. This present life is only the cover and the title page. We await chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has ever read. But that is a book that goes on forever in which every chapter is better than the one before. Now, if you're looking at your handout, you see I got three points to fill in the blanks, and you're thinking, uh-oh. Write this down very quickly. Number one, God is in complete control of the upper story. Complete control. He sees every intricate detail. The future is in his hands. And as Dale Davis said in one of his fantastic books, knowing our future, knowing our ultimate future 
may not keep us from pain, but it can certainly keep us from panic. And God is in complete control of the upper story. Secondly, you play a part in that lower story. You go your way. And if you want to say go your own way, okay. Go your way. Put your head down. You be faithful. Keep serving the Lord. Let God take care of the upper story, knowing his ultimate purposes are going to come through. But you play a part in that lower story. You be clear and bold. And my friend, let me just remind you, you live in a world right now where many people don't just view your Christian faith as trite or old-fashioned. They view it as dangerous. You play your part. Let your light shine with clarity. And then here's the third thing. Have you embraced the glory of the ordinary? You know, Daniel didn't set out to be famous. He just set out to be faithful. And we live in a culture today where a lot of folks want to be influencers, but they don't really want to be faithful to Jesus Christ. Have you embraced the glory of the ordinary? Let me read a couple of scriptures to you. 1 Thessalonians 4. But we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other, for God himself has taught you to love each other. Instead, just keep showing your love. And now verse 11. And make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. And the people who are not believers will respect the way you live, and you'll not need to depend on others. In other words, he says, be responsible and uh, mind your own business. Feel free not to have an opinion about everything. Feel like you have to share it all the time. Colossians 3, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. And remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and it's the master you're serving in Christ. Your attitude in the small, usual, routine, ordinary things makes a huge difference. I've come across a couple of books recently. One's called Boring, and the other is called Ordinary Life. And I just want to read you a few quotes, and then I'm done. Here you go. We live in a world that worships the grand, the great, the outstanding, and to be called ordinary is almost an insult. And people tend to believe that the pathway to significance is with the big, the showy, the grand. But what if we're wrong? <coughs> we want extraordinary, but we can't escape ordinary. And our search for the extraordinary is often a form of ingratitude. It's the opposite of contentment. It's a failure to be thankful for this place, this family, these people, this moment in time, this reality. Now, we're made to hope and ambition, godly ambition can be a good thing. 
The problem is that our definition of greatness is often misconstrued. We usually define greatness in terms of how large, how famous. But God calls us often to small, mostly overlooked things, listen, over a long period of time. At minimum, we must begin to take a stand on this one important fact. Obscurity and greatness are not opposites. One more time, obscurity and greatness are not opposites. We want more and more and more when what we have is enough. And if we aren't content with what we have, we won't be content with more. And then he says this, one writer says, I am also reminded not to take the other ordinary things in my life for granted. My marriage, it's measured in ordinary days. But those days have added up to one of the greatest gifts I've received. My kids, they grew up on ordinary days that passed me uh, without my noticing all too often. My church, most Sundays are just pretty ordinary. But our ordinary gatherings are full of grace and beauty that I'll miss if I'm not careful. There's beauty in the ordinary, and too often we miss it. But my friend, no assignment at home, in the office, at church, where no assignment is ordinary when we do it is an act of service to an extraordinary God. Go your way. Go your way. Be faithful. Know your name as a believer in Jesus is in the Lamb's book of life, and your day is coming. It's a promise. You will rest. You will rise. And you will receive your inheritance and you will stand in glory with the glorious one. God bless you.